Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Corinne Pettit, and joining me is physical therapist Pam Bolin for a discussion about the ideal partnership of how physical therapists can help improve psoriatic arthritis care. Pam is a physical therapist with Mountain State Hand and Physical Therapy in Colorado. She has a BS degree in human nutrition from Colorado State University, a BS in physical therapy from University of Colorado Health Sciences Center, and went on to earn her advanced master's degree in orthopedic physical therapy from the University of Indianapolis. She is a board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist by the American Board of Physical Therapy Specialties. She recently presented an amazing session at MPF's April Community Conference, Healthier Together, which is why she was invited to join us today to share her great tips for being joint smart. Welcome, Pam. It's a pleasure to have you on Soundbites today. Thank you for taking the time to be here. So as part of the community conference, Healthier Together, you mentioned that physical therapy is more than just standard exercises. Can you please elaborate on this statement and what should an ideal partnership with a physical therapist look like? Thank you, Corrine. It's a pleasure to be here. So many of you listening might be thinking, Yeah, they keep telling me that exercise is important, but how can I exercise when I'm so tired and I hurt? I really love your reference to a partnership with a physical therapist. Having a physical therapist on your team of healthcare providers is essential because they'll help you establish an exercise routine specific to your needs, your environment, and your medical history. The only way we can do that is if we take the time to understand your needs, your environment, and your medical history. Partnering with a good physical therapist will allow exercise prescription that will leave you feeling the same or better after you exercise, not worse. This is a take-home point today. You should feel the same or better after you exercise, not worse. A skilled therapist is also skilled in many manual therapy techniques, such as soft tissue and joint mobilization techniques. It can help the soft tissue and the joints move better, which can often be pain relief for the patient. So many of you listening might have had PT before. Hopefully you had a good experience, but maybe you felt like your needs were not addressed. Maybe the exercises actually increased your pain. When you're building your team of professionals, it's like hiring a staff of employees. Not everyone is a good fit. Sometimes you have to interview several before you find the right one. And just like an employee, you should feel free to fire them if they're not listening to you or performing their job activities to your satisfaction. So do you agree that physical therapists are an essential part of the healthcare team, particularly if someone has psoriatic arthritis or other forms of arthritis? And furthermore, what's the goal of having a physical therapist involved? Absolutely. I feel strongly that a PT is an essential part of the healthcare team. Appropriate exercise prescription is only one component, though. You should also expect to learn from your physical therapist precautions for each joint involved. So what are the do's and the don'ts? Ergonomics, how should I be sitting? How should I be standing? What are good sleeping postures? Body mechanics for lifting, pushing, pulling, gardening, or anything specific to your goals and lifestyle. 
And finally, we need to filter out any current activities that might be aggravating your pain. Many times when you're in chronic pain, it's really hard to determine if something increases or decreases your pain because, well, everything hurts and it hurts constantly. I tell my patients, if you hit your thumb with a hammer on Monday and you hit the same thumb with the same hammer every single day of the week, at the end of the week, it's not that your thumb's not healing, it's that you keep hitting your thumb with a hammer. It's essential to determine if there's any hammers in your life. And removing those hammers is essential if we're expected to have any success. So a good example of this is a patient of mine who came in with severe osteoarthritis of the hip. We met for our first appointment and she had her legs crossed the entire conversation. So I asked, does that bother you to have your legs crossed like that? She says, I don't know, I hurt constantly. So I said, well, let's just run an experiment. For an entire day, don't cross your legs. Keep your hips shoulder width apart and let's just see how you feel. So within 24 hours, her pain went from being constant to intermittent. So again, when you're in constant pain, sometimes it's hard to identify those things, but the physical therapist should know the precautions and be able to identify some of the hammers that might be perpetuating your inflammation and pain. Wow, that's a great analogy. And how is a physical therapist different from, say, a personal trainer? The difference between a physical therapist and a personal trainer or exercise coach is that a physical therapist has gone through eight years of education to understand the pathophysiology of disease and the biomechanics of each joint. This allows us to set precautions that are specific to your medical history and any joint you have involved. Exercise joint and prescription is then based upon these precautions. So once you've met with a physical therapist and you understand your precautions, you might choose to hire a personal trainer to monitor the body positioning and the mechanics and to progress your exercises. But you need to be your own advocate. You need to understand those precautions. You need to go to them and say, this is what I can do. This is what I can't do. And any good personal trainer, any good exercise coach should be able to modify those exercises within your tolerance and precautions. And again, you have to be your own advocate. If any exercise is increasing your pain, you need to let that trainer or exercise coach know that, and they should be able to modify it. And when you see someone for the first time as a client, what do you usually assess prior to establishing a home routine? One of the best things a professor taught me 30 years ago, they said, if you listen to the patient, they will tell you what's wrong and what to do. So the first thing I do is listen. I want to know what their goals are. What are they limited in? What positions and activity increase or decrease their pain? But most importantly, what do they want from physical therapy? I will then look at posture, strength, range of motion, neurological function, and movement patterns to identify anything that can reduce the load on the joints. And then we prescribe the exercises that fit their environment and their specific goals. Yeah, that's really good advice. So individualized care is really an important part of meeting the needs of your clients. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. An example is I have a patient who not only has severe arthritis, but she also has neuropathy impacting both of her lower extremities. So neuropathy is a dysfunction of the nervous system, which can cause abnormal sensation and in her case, severe pain. And this contributed to her limited tolerance to standing and walking. She had lost a ton of strength due to exacerbations and just not the ability to be active. So I started out by asking her, what position gives you the greatest comfort? 
And in her case, it was her recliner. We designed an exercise program for her in that recliner. So muscles can be activated in any position, but allowed us to strengthen the weak muscles in a position of comfort and support. Again, I want her to feel the same or better after exercise. Having her in a position of comfort facilitated that success. Am I gonna have her do exercises in standing? No, I don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul and take away from the minutes of standing tolerance or the number of steps that she tolerates per day. I want her using those for life and things that she enjoys. So as her strength improves, we'll see an increase in standing and walking tolerance. In order to build strength, we need appropriate exercise prescription that she can tolerate. I would also note that I began this patient's treatment during the pandemic through telehealth. I only met her in person recently now that we're both vaccinated. Telehealth is not ideal because I couldn't actually do muscle testing and I couldn't do the manual therapy techniques that I discussed earlier to reduce her pain on days that she was hurting. So if you don't have access to a physical therapist, telehealth can work. I don't think it should be your first choice, but it can work and it's definitely better than nothing. Yeah, great point. As you know, with psoriatic arthritis, flares of the disease often bring pain and fatigue, which can make it difficult to get up and move. What's the best way to approach such variations in the ability to do day-to-day activities? Well, the patient that I just referenced is a good example. I'm really happy to say that she's progressed, and she now has days that she can walk her dog and tolerate standing exercises. However, flares happen. It's just part of the disease. So the patient knows that during a flare or an exacerbation, she needs to revert back to the exercises in a recliner. But on good days, she can walk and perform exercises in standing. I encourage patients to measure their steps with a pedometer because it's an objective tool to know where you're at by the end of the day. So if they're having a good day, but maybe they've cleaned house, maybe they've gone to the grocery store and exhausted some of those steps, they can look at their pedometer at the end of the day and say, oh, yeah, I've got another 1,000 steps left within my tolerance, and I can go for a walk. So partnering with a good physical therapist helps you understand the appropriate choices for good days and bad days. On a daily basis, it's important to focus on what you can do, not what you can't do. Exacerbations happen with arthritis, and it's not a realistic goal for you to never have another exacerbation. However, With good self-care, it's very realistic to reduce the frequency and the intensity of those exacerbations. And what types of activities aggravate joint pain? Is it okay to feel pain when doing an activity? You know, the whole no pain, no gain message? No! I hate the no pain, no gain theory. It can be really appropriate for many challenges in life, but it certainly does not apply to joint pain. We want to protect the joint, not inflame them. Again, take home point, you should feel the same or better after exercising, not worse. It's okay to be tired or have some muscle soreness the next day, but it should not be at a level that keeps you from doing your daily activities. Absolutely no increase in joint pain, please. So activities that aggravate joint pain are gonna vary depending on the joint that's involved and its pathology. We identify aggravating factors and educate the patient on precautions day one of therapy. Again, we want to remove those hammers day one. And one of the messages you mentioned during the community conference, which I love, is motion is lotion. Can you please elaborate on this message? 
Sure. The expression of motion is lotion is certainly accurate for an arthritic joint. The more you move, the more you're gonna be able to move. It's normal for an arthritic joint to get stiff with prolonged positioning. And that's why mornings can be so challenging. Frequent movement during the day will help. Range of motion exercises are a component of a good exercise routine. And it's an example of an exercise that'll leave you feeling better. Going back to an earlier point, how you move the joint will vary based upon whether you're having a good day or a bad day. Yeah, that's so true. And can you please explain why strength and flexibility are important considerations with psoriatic arthritis? Your muscles serve as shock absorbers for the joint. And we all know that if you have good shock absorbers for your car, the parts last longer. So it's the same in your body. We need good muscular strength and stability around our joints to provide that shock absorption. Flexibility is another example. If you have poor flexibility around the joint, this is going to increase the compression of the joint surfaces, and it's going to contribute to stiffness and wear and tear on the joint. So we want to reduce the load on our joints and protect them from shearing and compressive forces. We can do that through the strength and flexibility training. And can you provide an example of activities that promote building strength and or flexibility? Sure. Please understand that there are many forms of exercise, and many of them can be fun. This doesn't have to be a chore. Life can be an exercise. Pickleball, ping pong, caring for your kids or grandkids, cooking, playing the piano. They're all forms of exercise. They have you moving. So choose what brings you joy. But you need to consider dosage. So you may not be able to play pickleball every single day, but if you give yourself a day of recovery, you might be able to tolerate it. Your physical therapist can help you identify these things. Exercise and movement can be done anywhere. We ask our patient, what setting do you want to exercise in? And then we begin the exercise prescription from there. It can be at home, in your recliner, in the gym, the pool, et cetera. Choose what you're passionate about, choose what's fun, and have your exercise prescription begin there. I should also point out that you don't have to have specific equipment. There is no magical piece of equipment. Your physical therapist should be able to adapt exercises to what you have available in your home and with things that are fun for you. My patients have my email address, and it's not unusual for them to email me a picture of something they found on the internet and say, hey, Pam, what do you think about this? With arthritis, though, it's always essential to choose joint-friendly exercises. So I'm always going to counsel my patients on a joint-friendly exercise. So Pam, what do you mean by joint-friendly? Well, first of all, it needs to be low load. You can increase the strength by three variables. You can increase repetition, hold time, or resistance. But resistance is always the high-risk variable of the three for your joint. So I'm going to prescribe exercises based upon the functional demand that an individual has. If the heaviest item that you have to lift in life is your 15-pound dog, then why would we train with heavier weights when that brings risks? Instead, what I need to do is make sure that you can safely lift that 15-pound dog through good body mechanics. But then for the strength training, I'm going to choose lower weight and high repetition and holder time to strengthen that muscle, not high resistance. 
And what about weight-bearing versus non-weight-bearing exercises that's appropriate for people with psoriatic arthritis? Non-weight-bearing exercise is an example of a low-load exercise. So when we're in standing, there's a compressive load through the joints from our body weight. Sitting has a compressive load through the pelvis and spine. Lying on your back or your side reduces the compressive load on the joint. And that's why position is an important part of exercise prescription because we're basing it on the involved joint and how to protect it. So an example of a load-bearing versus a non-weight-bearing exercise in the upper body would be a chest press. This is non-weight-bearing. Yes, you're putting some force through that weight, but it's still a non-weight-bearing exercise. The same parallel exercise working the same muscle groups would be a push-up. And clearly, this is a weight-bearing exercise. You're putting all your weight through your wrist and your hand to perform that exercise. So in the lower body, an example of a weight-bearing exercise working your thighs would be a squat. Clearly, that is load-bearing. Clearly, you have compressive forces when you do that. A non-weight-bearing exercise working the thigh muscle would be the knee extension machine. So typically with arthritis, we're going to choose a non-weight-bearing exercise so that we can reduce load. So which is the better choice for people with psoriatic arthritis, walking or swimming? It's a good question. Another example of a low load is no impact versus impact exercises. So no impact would be standing or sitting because there's nothing hitting the ground. There's no heel strike. An impact exercise would be jumping, running, or believe it or not, walking. So walking is made out to be this benign exercise and your doctor says, well, just go walk. But because there is heel strike, there's impact with this exercise. This impact increases the force on your joint by three to five times your body weight. An elliptical doesn't have impact. And so that would represent one time your body weight. On a stationary bike, the seat holds the bulk of your body weight, so the force through the knee and the hip is going to be based upon the resistance, but it's still going to be well below your body weight. Swimming is always recommended for an arthritic joint. If you stand chest deep in the water, the amount of force on your joint is reduced by 50%. If you're floating, clearly there's no load on the joint. This is why pool exercises are so popular and they're considered to be safe for an arthritic patient. And you mentioned force in relation to body weight. How important is weight loss in helping joint pain? Well, let's go back to what I just mentioned. The amount of force on your spine and lower extremity joints with a heel strike during walking is three to five times your body weight. This speaks volumes about the benefits of weight loss. So if we just keep the math easy and we just assume that the amount of force is gonna be five times your body weight with each step, a five pound loss of weight translates into 125,000 pounds of reduced force to the joint per day in a 5,000 step day, 125,000 pounds. So many people that have a lot of weight to lose don't celebrate five pounds. They don't even celebrate one pound. Celebrate the five pounds. It's huge. Healthy weight loss is one to two pounds a week. Losing five pounds in one month can make a huge difference. So just set small achievable goals and take it five pounds at a time and celebrate it. Pat yourself on the back and move forward. 
Uh, it's pretty amazing and really encouraging to hear. Thank you. So if someone would like to find a physical therapist to include as part of their healthcare team, where can they go to find one? We spend a lot of time talking about having a team of individuals guiding your healthcare. So the first place I would go is to your current team members. Just like any team, it's really essential to have good communication between those team members. And so if the team members know each other, that facilitates that. It's very likely that your rheumatologist, your general practitioner, your nutritionist, or even your psychologist have a physical therapy group that they know and they've worked with. So start there. If you have insurance limitations on who you can see, go to the insurance website and find the list of the in-network physical therapy facilities. Then go to each PT facility website and look at their clinical bios. We've talked about interviewing, interviewing your healthcare team just like you would an employee. So you're gonna look at a lot of resumes before you decide who to interview and that clinician bio should serve as a resume. I have my board certification in orthopedics, which is abbreviated OCS. Orthopedics is the study of joints, so this is a really good specialty to look for, but it's not necessary. The front office at a clinic can also help. I train my front office to screen patients and try to get those patients scheduled with the most appropriate physical therapist. So they can be a huge resource. Ask the front office, who would you have your mom go see if she had this condition. I also mentioned telehealth. This is where we consult the patient through some type of video conferencing. I don't consider it ideal, but it can work. And again, it's better than nothing. Lots of great tips there. So in closing, what's the most important action someone with psoriatic arthritis could do to improve their overall health? Be proactive for yourself. The best recipes have more than one ingredient. This is true for the recipe to success in managing any medical condition. I tell my patient, it's not going to be just one thing that makes you better. It's going to be a combination of things. So have a team, build a team, fire the team members that are not working for you, and be proactive. Your body has a team as well. It's mind, body, and spirit. They all work together, and if one is missing, it impacts the other two. Your psychologist helps your mind. Your physician, physical therapist, and nutritionist help your body. Your thoughts impact your spirit. Identify things that bring you joy and incorporate those into your day. Sometimes we lose sight of what brings us joy, but find it. It's there. And certainly, just like we want to remove toxins from our body, learn to remove toxic thoughts and experiences that impact your spirit. Focus on the positive. Focus on what you can do, not what you can't do. You are the captain of this team. Be proactive for yourself. Well, thank you again, Pam, for providing such an uplifting message about how to be proactive and, and joint smart. It's clear that having a physical therapist as part of a healthcare team, it really has so many benefits. So May is Psoriatic Arthritis Action Month. During May, you can request a new free e-kit to help you manage psoriatic arthritis and mobility challenges. You can be active with the right help. To receive this new e-kit, contact the Patient Navigation Center by calling 1-800-723-9166 or by emailing education at psoriasis.org. And finally, thank you to the following sponsors who provided support on behalf of Psoriatic Arthritis Action Month activities through unrestricted educational grants. AbbVie, Amgen, Bristol-Myers Squibb, Janssen, and Novartis. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Ghana, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.